You're listening to The Community Podcast, episode 145. Reverend Andrew Moore's message is titled, Suffering and Redemption. If you'd like to learn more, please visit comref.org. I'm going to invite my brother Joel up. Uh, Every week we have someone from the congregation pray for whoever's preaching. If you want that to be you, let me know, and it can be you. So I'll give the green mic to Joel, and he's going to pray for me. Let's pray. God, just thank you for uh, for being here this morning, for this time. God, I want to pray for uh, Andrew that you would speak through him this morning, that you would uh, reward him for all the, the, the diligent time he's put into this, and that you would speak through him, give him all he needs, uh, help us to be uh, attentive to what he says and what you have to say through him. Uh, God, please use this time. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. So I want to say off the bat, with the downstairs being closed, I know when kids are running around, it's going to feel distracting and you're going to feel a little anxious about it. If you need to stand up and move around, if they need to kind of run around, um, there'll be some distractions uh, for this summer. Like this, this guy right here, his name is Jude, and Jude doesn't really like attention, so he's going to probably bolt. Hi, bud. Um, so just, I just want to point that out. I know sometimes it's gonna, there's going to be anxiety. Hey, dude. Hey, come here. Hey, let's put you off this stage. Here we go. <laughs> You belong to that guy. So there's going to be distractions, uh, but that's honestly a part of being with and in the body of Christ. Um, Kids are full participants in the body of Christ, and that can be frustrating. So I just want to say I I, I do know that, Um, and we'll try to find ways during the service throughout the summer to to engage the kids and and have uh, their participation uh, in and through that. So uh, this morning, normally as a church, we go through what's called Lectio Continua, which means we choose a large passage of the Bible and we work our way through it. So we we had a series on stewardship that was a little out of the ordinary for community. Um, then, so we, we had three kind of weeks that were all over the place. We were in the New Testament, Old Testament. Uh, now we're in between series. And last week we talked about, we went way, 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 way back into the history of God's people. We talked about uh, a messenger that God sent to a guy named King Ahab, who had brought in the worship of Baal and Asherah with his wife Jezebel. Uh, and Obviously, God wasn't super stoked about that. So Elijah said, hey, uh, people of God, how long will you go limping between two gods? If, if Yahweh, if the God of the Bible is God, then follow him. And if, and if, 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 if Baal is God, then, then follow him. So we, we dove into that last week, and we kind, of, we kind of recognized some of the places where we might have gods today uh, that we worship But then we also asked, all right, so thousands of years later, we might still be limping between multiple gods, but uh, but God is knitting us together and knitting us with him. This week, we're going to fast forward a long time, go into the the New Testament, into the second half of our Bible uh, in a book called the Book of Romans. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul was, uh, he was a Jewish man. He was really, really, really smart. He knew his scriptures, and he devoted his life to the way of Yahweh, what he thought was what God wanted him to do. So uh, before he was Paul, he was named Saul. And what Saul did, he was known as Saul the persecutor. Uh, Saul happened to, uh, he made it kind of his life goal to snuff out this sort of Jesus movement. So he was the one who would go into city after city, finding these new Christians, these new followers of Christ, and he would, he would either persecute them, imprison them, whatever it takes to kind of to shut this movement down until Christ found him, renamed him Paul, and now he becomes this uh, instrumental piece to the New Testament church, a church planter. He plants these churches, he writes letters, and this is one of the letters that he writes. Now, I asked us to talk about things that were unfair around our tables. 
Uh, and some of the things, right, uh, that are unfair, like I, I had mentioned, we're about to send in, right, our quarterly taxes. That feels a little unfair. Um, even though we, we all got to pay our taxes and they do great things, it just feels unfair, you know? Um, it, unfair is kind of like, uh, like uh, for, for Lions fans, just living in this perpetual state of disappointment year after year, right? Even though no promises were ever made or fulfilled. Uh, we're going to talk about things that are unfair, but we're not just talking about uh, like, like funny, unfair things today. So I have an ask for us. And, 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 and this ask is going to also incorporate, right, the kids are gonna be running around, but we're gonna have a serious conversation today. And I wanna ask us this morning to be vulnerable. Maybe not with, with each other right now out loud, but vulnerable with yourselves and vulnerable with God as we dive into some things that are unfair. Now, after Paul became a Christian, after Paul, uh, his, life, his life completely turned around. Things got unfair for him. If there's somebody who knows unfair, it's Paul. Paul knows a thing like farmer's insurance. He knows a thing about unfair because he's seen a thing about unfairness. So we're gonna actually, uh, before we dive into the book of Romans, Paul writes about some of the stuff uh, that, that he's experienced. Uh, right, right here, 1123, uh, Paul writes to this church in Corinth. He says, uh, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Then he says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst without food in cold and exposure. Apart from other things, there is a daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made full and I am not indignant. Uh, Paul is saying here, he's seen a thing or two about experiencing when life is unfair. Uh, now, life was unfair then. Let's fast forward about 2,000 years. Uh, how many of you would agree that life can be unfair today? Yeah, pretty, pretty easy to, to recognize that. Um, I, I've got to read some things here. I wanted to kind of get a picture of what the state of the world is today. Just like a broad overview. There are a lot of really, really great things happening today in the world, around the world, uh, globally. But also, uh, do you know there are 130 million orphans around the world? That's 130 million kids who don't know what it is to have a loving mother or father. Around the world, there are 151,000 people who take their last breath every single day, which means they've left somebody behind. 1.5 million little ones die every year from diseases that could be prevented. There are more than 3 billion people living on less than $2.50 every day and more than a, mil, a billion people who live in extreme poverty. If we look around at the state of the world, there are some really good things that are happening. But there are a lot, a lot of people who experience unfairness, severe unfairness every single day. Paul has something to say about the state of the world, about the state of creation, about the state of our fallenness. 
that has more uh, to do than just saying uh, we're in sin and we're bad. But when we fell, creation also fell. So Paul is writing to this church in Rome. He plants this church in this huge, 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 thriving metropolis, full, full of people. I mean, if you, were, if you went to an airport, right, on Mother's Day, if you were traveling on Mother's Day to go see your mom, and the airport is just completely packed, right? You're at an international airport, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, this is what Rome is like, full of people, full of all different types uh, of, of people from different areas of life, from different places in the world, all over the place. Paul writes this to these people who are experiencing suffering. Paul says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen isn't hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. We're gonna back up and kind of work our way through that, but I wanna point out once again the things that Paul has experienced, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the being, being stoned almost to death. Paul has almost lost his life on a number of occasions for the gospel, and he's saying uh, the, the, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, Paul, Paul isn't saying that the suffering we experience today doesn't matter. Don't hear what Paul isn't saying. He's not saying that when we suffer, it doesn't matter. As he goes on, verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When we talk about the fall of man, when we talk about sin and falling into, into sin, Adam and Eve, way, 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 way back into the garden, who decided uh, to do things their own way instead of following Yahweh. We usually only talk about the human condition. Creation fell with us. The thorns in the garden, the hard work, labor, and toil for food. Death was introduced. Disease started making its way into creation because humanity decided, I don't want to follow the creator of the universe. I think I've got this on my own. I want to point out, once again, let's fast forward 2,000 years. So we talked about some of the things that are happening around the world Let's, let's get a little bit closer because the U.S. Isn't, uh, isn't much better in terms of suffering. In the United States, uh, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. And for people in the ages of 15 to 24, it's the second leading cause of death. That means uh, kids 15 to 24 years old uh, are considering the sufferings that they're going through 
that they, they don't believe they deserve to continue living. 44,000 people in the United States die from suicide every year. Uh, last year, there were 323 mass shootings. The United States Human Trafficking Hotline receives more than 150 calls every day. That's not a far-off issue. That happens here. And then finally, uh, over 600,000 people lose their lives in a battle to cancer every day. Creation fell with us. For a moment, let's... Let's remember uh, those in our country. Last, last week was a Memorial Day weekend. We remember those who died for our freedom in this country. But sometimes we aren't free from many of the things that creation has been in bondage in. All right, let's go back to what Paul has to say. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together and the pains of childbirth until now. Not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he, for what he doesn't see? Or for what he sees? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. Paul uh, is recognizing some of the, the suffering and struggles that this community of believers in Rome is going through. And he wants them to know, one, your suffering is real. And we suffer alongside of creation. And it's real. Now, I want to, uh, we talked about global things that are going on. We talked about things that are going on in America. I want to talk about some things that are happening in Michigan in this fallen creation. Uh, Grand Rapids has been a hotspot for decades for human trafficking. It means uh, people are, are trafficked from Toledo to Grand Rapids, Detroit, or over to Chicago. Uh, last year alone, uh, more than 1,000 people died from traffic accidents just in Michigan. In Michigan alone, there are 13,000 kids in the foster care system. If, if these kids age out of the foster care system, there's a 25% chance they'll be homeless after that. That's in Grand Rapids. That's in, that's in Holland. In Michigan alone, there are a million and a quarter of people living in poverty. Almost 40,000 public school students last year experienced homelessness at some point or another. That means uh, kids in public school at some point last year didn't know where exactly to call home. Last year, there were over 90,000 cases of child abuse in Michigan. And then 2017, uh, there were 26,000 babies who were never allowed to take their first breath. And that doesn't, encount, that doesn't count for the miscarriages that have happened either. Now, I know this, this feels gut-wrenching, 
And in some ways, me laying all of these out is a little unfair. I know that. Life is severely unfair. When I was in fifth grade, I got a call from an aunt of mine. Uh, she was calling to let me know, so I had gotten out of school. She called to let me know that my cousin Mary had died in a car accident. I was, I was 11 years old, uh, home alone. And I remember this, this intense, unsettling feeling of just unknown. And the, the last picture that I have of, of my cousin Mary was at the Ottawa County Fair. She had a, a, a big old cowboy hat on. She had her jean shorts on and a bright yellow tank top. That's the last picture. And I, and I realized that when, when I got that call, like, that would be the last picture in my mind that I'll ever have of my cousin Mary. Life is severely unfair. Now, I want to talk about some broad things that are happening. And I, I try to think of a way to, to kind of picture uh, what's going on in the world around us. And so I, I, I took these pieces of wood here. Now, I'm going to talk about some of these things, uh, and they're going to feel, some of them are going to feel really sensitive. And I know that all of these topics are infinitely more complex than we have time to dive into today. But the state of the world today, 2,000 years ago, thousands of years ago, we live in a state of a broken creation. And we all feel the severe unfairness of that reality. So the first one, the first one I want to bring up uh, is, is this. Uh, disability. And I know there's, there's different ways to be able to say that. Paul is, Paul is writing to a community who's suffering, uh, but suffering communities haven't ended. We live in a community who's also suffering, and, and many of us know somebody who's, who's suffering uh, from a disability. Now, the beautiful thing is that dis disabilities don't define who we are. They don't. And I can't begin to comprehend what it means to live at a different level of ability than I have. But in my mind, what happens, we have this beautiful creation and we, we are confronted with the reality that some people aren't able to, to walk or to run and enjoy uh, the, the, the long grass and the streams and the meadows that God has created for us to enjoy. Now, sometimes we like to, uh, we like to talk about our physical problems and say, you know, uh, this is all a part of, of God's plan. But I think what, what, what Paul is saying is that the fallen creation is because we decided to follow our own instincts and not God's. And even though we believe in a sovereign God, we can do a lot of damage by saying, this was God's plan for you. And he's gonna use this, he will. But I think we can do a lot of damage by saying, God caused this rather than the creation fell into sin when we decided to, to run away from God. Uh, this one, we, we, all, we all have experienced this one. And this comes in, in many different forms. This one is disease. Some of these are treatable, some of these are not, some of these are terminal, some of these will lead to a loss of life. Uh, disease. That's a reality in the creation we live with. Now, another thing that we like to, we like to say is that uh, some of the sufferings we experience now don't matter because the only thing that matters is the life to come. And I don't think that's what Paul is saying when he says the sufferings we experience pale in comparison to the glory. They might pale in comparison, but 
we haven't experienced that future glory now. The suffering we experience now does matter. The third thing is, is here. We said uh, 90,000 kids in Michigan there were 90,000 cases of child abuse in Michigan last year alone, which means 90,000 little boys and little girls no longer can trust the people they thought they loved. More people live with this now than any other time in history. This one uh, absolutely wrecks kids of today, and adults. There are people living with severe, crippling depression and anxiety, unable to, to be motivated to do the simplest tasks. This kills every year. Uh, this one is a little less personal for us, but it happens every year around the world. We pray for when this happens, we respond when this happens, uh, but thousands and thousands of people every year lose their lives to natural disasters. Whether it's floods, tsunamis, earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, this one is tragic. Because a lot of times it doesn't feel like our issue but we, we recognize there are 13,000 kids in the foster care system today in Michigan. And scripture tells us specifically to pray and to serve orphans and widows. This means there are, there are 13,000 kids who don't know the love of a mom or a dad. I know this one is a sensitive topic. And I know it's infinitely more complex than we have time to dive into. And I also want to say for, for anyone who has had one or knows somebody, that this does not define you or define that person. So we pray for, for moms and we pray for babies. We pray for little ones. There are a number of little ones who were never able to take their first breath and there are so many moms who feel ill-equipped and out of community. We have one more. And this one's a big one. I remember when I received that call about my, my cousin Mary, I knew things would never be the same. And as an 11-year-old boy, I, I wept in the living room alone. All of us have felt the pain and the sting of death. Whether it's from an accident, whether it's from disease, whether it's from violence, uh, my brothers and sisters, just look at these signs for just a minute. The world is still broken. And we all experience the, the pain and the suffering and the unfairness of each of these things. And there's so many more that we haven't yet uh, 
dived into, but, but we can't in, in the short amount of time that we have. But all of these things are part of our lives on a daily, daily basis. Now, I, I want to I read this last line of, of our passage here. Uh, the last two verses, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with Patience. Uh, there's something about the resurrection uh, that, that we, can, we can dive into and get all into the nitty-gritty details of it and, and we, can, we can explore it and we can, we can love it, but there's going to be a day when creation and you and I are set free from these things. There's going to be a day uh, when, when, when somebody who was unable to walk and enjoy creation like he or she was supposed to will be able to walk again. And I don't know how that all plays out, uh, but, but no longer will that person have to adapt to the environment, but the environment will be able to adapt to him or to her and will be able to enjoy and love God's creation fully. Now, we don't see the, the grand picture of how all of these things play out fully. And I have this big box up here. And it's kind of, kind of off to the side, uh, but I, I wanted to find a way to sort of point out what the hope that we have is. This is the biggest box I could find. I have no idea what was in here, actually. But it's nasty, and it's dirty, and it's, it's full of a bunch of nooks, uh, and it's full of dings and dents and rips and tears and tape. Uh, and I wanted to find some way that we could visualize the hope that we have for the future. Uh, how many of you guys could guess what's in here? I bet you could. So I'm going to open it. And inside of this box is the picture of the hope that we have. And I gotta kind of find a way to, to do this. Let me just turn it over. This box is 100% totally empty. Now, why, why, did I, why did I put this massive, empty, nasty, gross, dirty, wrecked looking box up here to picture the hope that we have in Christ and in the resurrection and in the redemption? I don't know, I just found it. I'm just kidding. No, there, there is a reason. Uh, because even though we don't know exactly how it works, this empty box, uh, I want us to know that we don't know what, what it looks like, but there is going to be one day where this person is able to walk again, is able to en enjoy and love creation. The gospel sets us free from this defining who we are. So that's what our future hope does to that. The people that are riddled with disease, who, who, who are unable to, to, to function in society because their bodies are breaking down. Uh, one day we will be fully redeemed and healed. The gospel assures us of that hope as believers, we have that hope to look forward to for the kids who thought they could trust the ones who said they loved them. One day, they'll know the love and trust of a loving father. And the memories of what they experience will no longer be there. And they'll be in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth with us. Uh, this one. I know that uh, we can make fun of sometimes, you know, it, we, we kind of say, look, just get up and do it. But there's, there's something that happens in our brain that doesn't allow us the motivation uh, to go out and, and do stuff. But one day we can say to somebody struggling with depression, I know that your pain is real and I know that you're unable to do some of these things, but we have a future hope that says one day we can, we can rest and you can find joy and satisfaction in our relationship with Christ as we walk with him once again in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, this, when, when we fell, creation fell with us and so came with it uh, uh, pain and 
death and thorns and thistles and hard work and toil. One day in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, when we're walking with, with all these people who are now whole, we won't have to worry about monsoons, about hurricanes, about tornadoes that might take our lives or hurt us. There's going to be 90,000 kids in Michigan who one day know the love of a father and a mother. Unable to remember uh, nights alone. Unable to remember the pain that they experienced. I know this one is tricky. I know. But there's going to be countless mothers who have joy in their life again. Who realize that they are forgiven. And they are loved. And also, uh, I don't know how it all works out, uh, but the little ones who are never able to take their first breath will know the love of our loving Father. And then there's this one. Uh, a few years ago, I lost my grandpa, and I got to sit uh, in the room with his body in his living room. He passed away surrounded by uh, his wife, his son, and his granddaughter. But still we wept. We all know the pain and the horror that this leaves in our lives. But even though we don't know exactly what it's going to look like and it's messy right now, this one, the, the one that Christ defeated. We don't know how it all works out, but in the new heavens and in the new earth, all that stuff is going to be gone. And even though we can say now uh, the sufferings we experience pale in comparison to that glory, I want you to know that the suffering we experience matters. It really does. But one day it'll all be made right. Creation will be renewed. As if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. One day we'll experience wholeness, satisfaction, joy, and a level we'll never, we've never even imagined. Would you pray with me? Father, you are good, you are holy, and you are worthy. We confess that uh, it was our sin, it was our decision not to follow you that led to creation falling. And even though we'll never have the answer, Father, to why, uh, why we have a, an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God, and there's still evil in the world, we'll never be satisfied with the answers that we come up with, but it's, it is encouraging and comforting to know that you're working on us. So Father, as we wait patiently for the hope that we have in the future, help us to live into that hope today. Being light and encouragement to those who are experienced creation broken. Being light and speaking truth into the lives of those whose lives have been unfair. Whose lives are marked by severe tragedy and, and trauma and, 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 and brokenness and sadness and loneliness. Father, help us, convict us to be a part of their lives. As we wait patiently for the hope that we do not see, the, the new heavens and the new earth, when we get to walk in our bodies with you in the resurrection. But Father, help us live in a way so that when that time comes, we're living pretty much the same. Help us to be a light in the darkness. 
Help us to experience your redemption in and through even our suffering as we acquaint ourselves with a man, Jesus Christ, who died for each of us. God in flesh. Father, we love you. You are holy. You are worthy. You are good. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. In the power of the Spirit for your glory, Father. Amen.